0: up with Jamie Crick.
1: It's that time of the week where we slap on the grease paint, step out in front of the footlights and whether it's a West End hit... Or a damp weekend at the Church Hall in Bridlington. We like to deliver all the news and gossip and backstage stuff and more. And today, we are honoured to have John Owen Jones with us. Kerry.
2: Star of the West End and Broadway. And with a new album out, we'll be talking to him a little bit later. And Johnny.
3: Indeed, I've been backstage this week to talk to the rather delightful John Caswell, stage manager and company manager on many productions over the years. He gave us a great insight into what his job entails.
1: Don't forget, you can subscribe right now acting up pod from wherever you get your podcast don't forget to give us five stars in your review so today west end star and uh, i think the world's youngest jean valjean in les miserables is um, starring in the concert version of the show at the gilgud theater whilst they probably could paint on the queens and take away the old barricade Still- Really upset about that. Uh, for the new production later this year. More importantly, it was in the Little Night Music with Dame judy and Patricia Hodge, which I only saw three times. John
0: Owen Jones. Hello, Ooh. hello. It's very nice to be here. Lovely to see you. Thank you for that uh, wonderful introduction. Well, um, thank you. You know, yeah, people forget that I worked at the National, <laughs> darling. So it's nice to be Not reminded of that. And, yes. Well, people
2: know you, don't they? Mainly for I, your I, I miss, Phantom, I out Phantom World.
0: as well. Phantom yeah. Is oh yeah, don't huge.
2: worry. People know that. Yeah. But but. What did you play first, Jean Valjean or, or The Phantom? Uh,
0: Valjean first, yeah. I, I started off in the ensemble. Uh, I left drama school. I had two dreams. Well, three really. One was to work with Sondheim, one was to work at the National, and one was to play Jean Valjean. And uh, within five years, I'd achieved all that.
3: <laughs> wow. So,
0: um, just purely you know, coincidental. I, I was working up in Leeds in The Sound of Music uh, in Rep Theatre up there at the uh, West Yorkshire Playhouse, one of my favourite theatres in Britain. Mm. And I auditioned for A Little Night Music and uh, Les Miserables at the same time. And I got got both those jobs on the same day. And how old are you? Uh, I was, I just started a drama school, so I was about 25. It's kind of greedy, 24, isn't it? showing off, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and it was just one of those things. And I didn't have an agent, so I was doing it all myself. I oh, know yeah. yeah, so I left drama school without an agent. I was the only person in my year to do that. And I worked completely solidly without a break for two and a half years. And as soon as I signed with an agent... I didn't work. Can I, I
3: was <laughs> say, <laughs> it's six
0: months of, of unemployment. Um, yeah. Given you got off of both, can I can I ask you how many agents then phoned you up and went, you know we said no. Well, uh, none. Uh, and really it, Interestingly, interesting. um, it was only on my last day working at the National Theatre. I, I did six months in uh, Limis in the West End and I was rehearsing that whilst performing in the evening in Leeds, so I'd have to commute oh. down to London every day. And then when I finished um, Leeds and I opened in West End, I then was rehearsing a little night music for like five weeks before I finished my stint in the West End and then I went into the National and then I did six months there and um, on the very last day of my run uh, at the National I signed with an agent and um Wow. And it didn't work for six months. So, <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. Because, are, you still, are you
0: still with that agent? or is it Oh, no, no, no. Know. I've been there ages ago. But part of the thing <laughs> that you learn as an actor is that you have to do it all yourself. Yeah. Absolutely. And an agent does the deals and, and takes the responsibility for you, but you still have to go out and like network if you don't and get If you don't make that connection, then I'm going to do that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, I'm in just it. sitting there yeah. waiting for the phone to ring. doesn't get any Because a lot mm-hmm.
3: of people think, a lot of actors uh, at John's School think, actually, once I've got an agent, I'm all set. And mm. actually, you're absolutely mm-hmm. right. They have to work so hard. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Even
0: though I still do that, you
3: know.
1: Is there ever a point asking our two, uh, you know, uh, most recently on stage performers Johnny? I know, obviously, (laughs) um, there was that summer season, but let's uh, forget about that. Um, (laughs) You know, is there a point when you've done as much work as you did where you go, actually having a few months off is quite nice, or is it about, no, let's keep keep go- keep doing it, keep being seen
0: uh, Yeah, it kind of was um, I was exhausted, so I you know, job to job to job and actually um, I was telling you just before we started this chat now off air that um, when I was working up in um, the West Yorkshire Playhouse, after I finished Little Night Music I went straight back up to West Yorkshire Playhouse and did another job up there and I was recording uh, the album for a Little Night Music but I couldn't actually make the sessions because I was working in Leeds and that job I'd got before I'd signed with this agent so as soon as I came back from Leeds after three months and I was working with Toby Jones Do you know Toby Jones mm. uh, actor, director son of Freddie Jones mm. very successful mm. actor his first ever directing gig it mm. was an amazing experience because he trained at Lecoq um, you know and that's like a, a school where everyone's utterly amazing and I was like the one guy that had had musical theatre training mm-hmm. and they were all looking at me going what are you? You know, um, because they were like proper actors, you know, and um, and then I had to sing opera and everything in this job. Anyway, I digress. So um, i forgot what the original question was. <laughs> I yeah, that. I, I shouldn't that. have had that green tea. there's Loads of caffeine in green yeah. tea. Don't forget it's that. It's the turkey,
1: uh, the wrap that the we so, wrap did before. <laughs> turkey sausage <laughs> this yeah. morning. Yeah, exactly. No, you see, it's just whether whether there was a point sometimes where you know, because it must be when you're. When you're well known and you're doing shows and big shows like uh, Phantom and Les Rob and obviously working with the National, where you think, if I take three months off now, six months off, will everyone forget about me? Is that like, you know, you'd have to keep going? Or is there a point where you think, if I don't stop, that's it, I'm, I'm going to collapse.
0: Um, yeah, I've, I've never really thought about it like that. I, I, if I stop, it's because I need to stop or I have to stop. It's not usually something I've ever thought about. I, I never worry about the future too much because, you know, something will come along. You know, um, I used to be a butcher you Know and um, anything's better than that, mm. so um, uh, including you've, not, unemployment. you've not done Sweeney Todd. I was say, I've, <laughs> done, I've done Sweeney Todd, yeah. I've not played Sweeney, but <laughs> right, I, I have look. got my throat cut twice um, by is Sweeney, on the list?
3: Sweeney on the list, do you think?
0: For a Sweeney in the future, yeah, yeah one day. I'd love yeah. to do that, yeah. But when uh, um, my voice drops sufficiently, because <laughs> I'm still a kind of like a ten- tenorial roles is still kind of my bag, so I, I still love know.
1: The, uh, the idea that you've had your throat cut twice by Bryn <laughs>
0: Well, it was, it was Bryn Terrible and the original uh, Len Cario. I oh, did a concert right. version with
2: Len. So moving on, moving to something a bit more current, you are about to do the new concert version mm. of the is that's going into the, the Gilgood. Gil-good mm. Thank you. What do you think it's going to be like? Do you think it's going to be slightly staged like they're doing at the Eno at the moment when they do those big shows, concert version shows, or do you think it's going to be quite static? What do you, have you got any information? I've,
0: I've got no information whatsoever. Oh. No, unfortunately. No, really. Well, they phoned me up Christmas Eve. Oh, and asked Merry me Christmas. if I'd, I wanted to share the role with Alfie, and I jumped at the chance, said money wasn't discussed, uh, the length of the run wasn't discussed, the location wasn't even discussed. <laughs> but I do love Les Mis, and um, I just wanted to be back in the show again, because yeah. I always had a great time, as you know, you know Kerry, because you do. and I did it many years ago. We did. You've but got I'm, such
2: a history with the yeah. show, though, haven't you? I mean, you've been mm. part of it, probably most of your career, in and out of the tour, the, the West End, the, on, you've done it on Broadway. Yeah. It's quite... a big part of your history. So, do you think this is going to be quite a moment? Is it going to be something different? Because you've also done things like the 25th anniversary. Yeah. I mean,
1: it's, it's basically sold out. It is. Yeah. I mean, bar they're releasing yeah. some more tickets at the end of April. Yeah, I probably mean, for been... the
0: Wednesday matinees where I'm on as large on, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> I think our fees are all sold out. But um, <laughs> yeah, there we are. Um, well, I, so can I just tell you then, with regard to Les Mis, I... I did the 10th anniversary, the 20th, did the 21st. You do the I didn't yeah, know you I was did in the, the choir. yeah, yeah. Oh, the other Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so I got right. to sit back and, and watch, you know, these incredible yeah. performers, wow. you, know, you know, like Coleman, Philip Quast. And then I call them friends now. That's you know, and it's incredible.
1: <laughs> I was going to ask you about that because Jean Valjean, as a role, is so pivotal to the whole thing. Mm. And you, you carry the show to a certain extent. You've got to go on and, you know, the stories around you. And you've seen people like Coleman do it. And, you know, going on stage and doing that for an audience who quite often, are I mean, I've been to see it so many times. Know the show, they've seen other people doing it. How do you feel
0: taking on that role? Because it's a brilliant role. Yeah, it is. And um, I always felt like I was custodian of something that was bigger than me. And, you know, the privilege of playing that role, certainly at the age I was given it, uh, looking back now, I was far too young to play the role at 26. But I was given the opportunity and I grasped it with both hands, you know. But the role means a lot to me personally because not only have I been able to buy... You know, five or six houses and you know, a yacht. <laughs> the driver's uh, outside, uh, yeah, and the we drivers know, yeah. outside <laughs> yeah, yeah, The yeah. engine's running, money's no, expect- <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. no object. <laughs> um but I met my wife working on it, you know, and so, it's been a hugely important part of my life, and um, I got the opportunity to reinvent the show um, and Jean Valjean for the 25th anniversary tour, which is the version that's now coming into London. I was well, going to ask that, yes, yeah. Yes, I, was, yes. I
3: was really interested to know because we've been talking a lot on this show about the fact that yes, Cameron's, oh, yeah. Cameron's <laughs> closing closed, closed the original production and this the touring version's coming in. I was in Edinburgh three weeks ago to see the tour. I actually yeah. saw it Edinburgh when you did it. All right. Absolutely loved it. What are your thoughts on this new production coming in? Because you, you're unique in the fact that you've performed in both productions. Mm. What are your thoughts behind the idea and, of this and, coming in? And
1: the background of our conversation is that a lot of people have said, Oh, you can't mess with the original production, but we're also saying shows change all the time. Yeah. You know, well, adapt. look at
0: any, any Shakespeare play. There's like myriad different versions of, of Hamlet, for example. So, you know, there's not one definitive version. And the fact that Les Mises has got a life beyond the set design and beyond the original direction just goes to show how strong it is. Mm. Now, I think people have sentimentality about it because it might have been the first thing they ever saw. In the West End but you know technology's moved on people's idea of theatre has moved on and I think that the new version of the show and I said from my point of view it has a much clearer storytelling mm. the problem i had when i first saw him is i mean i hated it when i first saw it because i didn't know what the hell was going on yeah of course you know it was too long and it was too dark <laughs> and um you know i just didn't understand who wh- wh- who's that guy there suddenly he's not, awake, suddenly he's not. yeah, yeah. and yeah. yeah what's going on yeah. Yeah. so um you know and that is because i wasn't <laughs> versed well enough in in theatrical storytelling at that time No, i could go and watch it now and understand it all but the new version is much clearer when it comes to storytelling and also we took the opportunity when we were putting it together to take bits from the book which are very mm. important to the story and, and mm. just you know give little nods and winks to them mm. in the new production. For example there's uh, the, the little character Petit Gervais um, who is directly responsible for Valjean's epiphany. It's nothing to do with the bishop in the book. And if you saw the TV show recently, that happened in the TV show. Absolutely. And so we put a little nod to that in the new direction. It was my idea. I don't get paid for it, but, you know, it was my idea. Um, so And so that kind of thing, for me, um, people will also, I think, you know, they've responded. I've done it in New York, this version. I've done it all around the UK. I've done it in Paris. I've done it in Dubai. And it's a really refreshing new, new look mm. at the story, you know. Um, I think... To be honest, if you put both of the productions together, you'd have the perfect limits.
3: And maybe mm. one day that'll happen. happen. But actually, happen. I thought, having gone see it this time around in Edinburgh, actually how much of the original it is a homage to. There's so mm. much beautiful parts of the original that are in this new version, but with, let's say, new design, new set. Yeah. And it, it, to me, it is almost the perfect combination. And I think yeah. people who are moaning about the fact that there's no Revolve, etc., go and see it when it comes mm. to the mm. Greens. I think well, the reason spots. the Revolve
0: isn't there is simply practicality. Um, you know when it went on tour originally they had to keep the costs down and they wanted to be able to move the show very quickly so it didn't have to sit down in a town for three months and then it takes two weeks to take the set down and move it. They were able to move the entire set in in a weekend.
3: But without compromising it. I think that's the important thing. So they have to find a
0: new way of telling the story and be able to move the show and that's why it's now doing incredible business around the States and around the world still and I think Cameron has seen the opportunity for you know revitalizing The brand, as it were, you know, people who might not have seen the show on Mm. tour will come and see it in the West End, and they'll see this new version. And just finally, what's completely
3: unique is this this concert version, because the chances are we're never going to see what you're about to do in the Gilgood again in the West End. So, I mean, to get a ticket for that will be once in a lifetime. Yeah, I know, I know a guy though i know <laughs> a guy yeah i could get great. you a ticket great. yeah great it'll be to a wednesday matinee is, he, is
0: he but quite a fine. big guy in the he's <laughs> got a big guy with a long hairy beard yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah 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 he's got a welsh accent well and, and so.
1: just, actually just thinking about all those you know doing the show and you mentioned new york and so on you know, is there ever a point you uh you go god pinch myself this is what i planned to do this is where i wanted to be and
0: i'm actually doing it yeah all the time yeah um yeah, look, I'm doing a podcast with you guys. It's a dream come true. <laughs> hey. So, um, you know what I mean? It's that, what that I, kind of thing. What, what, what can a privilege. I, say? I mean, you know. Right, you know, and not even like being sarcastic now. What a privilege to be able to say that I do this for a living. We're mm. just in a room talking mm. and having a laugh. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, there's other people who really work hard. But I've come from that background. My father's a butcher from a family of farmers and people who were steel workers. And it's a privilege. Every time I go for a new job and I start something new and I meet new people, I'm just, like, delighted to be there. You, know? you
2: do work super hard, though. I mean, you're always doing, you know, so many different things. I mean, we were up in Scotland doing a concert not that long ago and you were going down to sing the National Anthem at the opening of a of a huge... Rugby game, game, yeah. rugby game, yeah. And then you like the
0: Welsh one, or the, yeah, yeah. Wales versus England, yeah. Where we <laughs> beat beat England. Yeah, yeah, yeah and then yeah, you yeah. And then we won the Grand Slam. Did <laughs> I mention? Yeah, that? Yeah, I know,
2: yes. We I like know, our sports.
0: Know, yeah, because Lucy Jones in at the time, and I thought we'd <laughs> oh, be gonna, right. I thought we were going to win. Do
1: you know and, what? So did I. And, and and she kept saying, "No, no, Wales will win, Wales are win." <laughs>
0: yeah, that and blind did, faith anyway. is what keeps us going yeah. in, in rugby. And Wales sometimes. But, um, I really thought that England were going to. Yeah,
1: gonna do take you know us. what? Though it was a brilliant, Grand Slam, and the pictures, the pictures in Cardiff the next day actually were fantastic. Uh, yeah. The team coming home, you know, like yeah, yeah, incredible, bringing it yeah. back to theatre, bringing yeah. um, they, they love the fact I get sport in. We, every love, week, a so. yeah, yeah, sport. we love a little bit of sport. We love a little
2: bit. But you've got a new album out because we were in Tokyo at the beginning of the year, and you just literally put it out. Mm. Called Spotlight and what's what's on this album? Why is it different to the rest of them? I mean how many have you released?
0: Uh right, okay. So let me t- that's three questions in one. So Sorry. firstly, <laughs> uh, um, the, the uh, what's on the album it's yes. mostly musical theatre. Is there that's any a- lame is? Yes, of course. Uh, there's a song that you might know called I Dreamed a Dream. <laughs> um, no, the thing have you ever heard of that one? Yeah, the thing is, I've, I've, you know, I've recorded Empty Chairs and I've recorded Bring Him Home. And I've yet to do uh, Stars, but eventually I'll record the entire show on solo <laughs> albums. But we decided in this one, because um, I've also done Phantom tracks and I've done Love Never Die tracks, I did um, Till I Hear You Sing on one of my other albums. Mm and um, my man was like you've got to put something from Les Is or Phantom on there so mm. like, I've done all the songs like. so what about a woman's song I went yeah, alright so we did <laughs> Love Never Dies from Love Never Dies mm. uh, which was I think my favourite track in the album actually mm. and I Dreamed a Dream where we actually decided to construct a version of the song where we nodded towards all of the um, Valjean musical motifs, and mm-hmm. we put them into th- "I Dreamed a Dream." See, very yeah. nice. So that, and uh, so there's that, and there's climb every mountain, and and lots of things like that. Plus, there's also a Spandau Ballet track in there. So oh, I like that. Yeah, keep Is it there a bit of, the bit reason of for that. Or do you just thought, um, thought Spandau Ballet? You uh, not because it. It. it's got the word barricades in the title. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, no. So, yeah. yeah. uh, no, it's one of those. It's it's one of those songs <laughs> that I've always loved. Um, and I was actually more of a Duran fan anyway. But uh, um, back in the eighties, so
1: the towel and socks, the Spandau.
0: Did you? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, <Durant. laughs> all that
1: all that pulling off, you know, standing on the side of a yacht and so on, it was all a bit
0: did you think it was a bit pretentious? Well, yeah,
1: you know, with yeah. The, and the flick. The <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But John, what about
0: when they got to the Wild Boys phase? A bit the, more oh, yeah, 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 The, yeah. the, the uh, make um, at
1: Anyone <laughs> listening who is actually younger than about 400 years old.
3: Yeah, no, like, <laughs> what? Ooh, what? What? Um, can I just ask, on the album, it's a very different discipline, isn't it? The idea of going in and it's basically your voice, mm-hmm. it's you. Do you prefer stage or album, or is it kind of a bit of mixture that you love the most? Uh,
0: I prefer live. Um, mm. I think it's very difficult to capture the essence of a live performance in the studio. I, I'm not sure if I've even yet to do that, but I produce my own albums as well. Oh, so okay. I have a hand in everything. The track listing, the arrangements, the design, the engineering, uh, the, what's on the sounds and stuff like that. So I enjoy all that. That's another aspect of my career that I really
3: love. But it pales in comparison to, to performing live because yeah, the instant rapport you get and mm. but on know. that note actually and I think that's something that, that's very interesting that you say the the, the 10th anniversary tour uh, sorry the 25th anniversary tour that you did 10 years ago mm. uh, of lame is was recorded over a period of performances wasn't yeah, it was so yeah. recorded live and actually there is something so electric about that that recording yeah. uh, and particularly your bring home which did oh, maybe chron- run that many times but it and so that and that was probably the first time that Cameron probably started to do proper live recordings of actual shows. Yeah, I think it was, actually, yeah. I mean,
0: One of the reasons why I think he did that then was because it was the 25th anniversary and he knew there was a live concert coming up at the O2 and everything and he wanted to kind of practice, I think. And so (laughs) we were like, thank you very much, this is lovely. And also, it was a sensational production and sensational cast, you know, led by a sensational Valjean. (laughs) And, uh, you know... Honestly. honestly. Of course, I'm really pleased to have that, um, you know, preserved in amber for generations to come, (laughs) which is another reason why I record albums is because I want a legacy you know it's good. so you've got something that like it's like you know, a, it's like a sound
1: photo because that's you at that age yeah. stage uh,
0: in life a sound, yeah. it's a sound picture yeah exactly yeah. that yeah yeah, yeah. it's yeah. a lot more
2: work yeah. than just a picture okay yeah. just um a few quick fire round questions okay. for you um <laughs> <laughs> to have a go at okay best role well, I think that you've ever played
0: A uh, best role i've ever played mm-hmm. um, jean valjean
2: worst disaster on the stage yeah <clears> oh,
0: what's going on gone, how long have you on, got disaster on stage <laughs> um, a wig falling off um, during Les Mis. Actually, I had an agent, a prospective agent, watching that performance oh, as well. And, and they still signed me up <laughs> because they were impressed with how I dealt with it. How have did you deal with it? Uh, well, I picked it up and stuck it in my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I didn't try and stick the wig back on my bald head. That would have been atrocious. Have but, you ever um,
2: forgotten any words? I don't think I've ever been on stage when you've oh, forgotten goodness. words. Oh,
0: goodness. Yes, you've, you've not done any, enough shows of me. <laughs> I remember the, one of the worst things I've ever done was in Phantom after, like, you know, years doing the role uh, there was a girl playing christine called celia graham mm. and um, uh, i'm not really giving away too much of this show if i say some of it is recorded on tape <laughs> but for technical <laughs> reasons that the phantom of the opera song is a lot of that is on is on Tape because yeah. you can't sing it live because you're climbing up ladders and you can't see the musical director and it's it's literally for it's purely quite practical incredible reasons. How
1: it's all mixed together and yeah, yeah. exactly
0: and yeah night. so but we come off the tape and we start singing live towards the end of the track when you know we're getting out of the boat for anyone who's seen the show we're getting out of a boat and we're walking around and I'm going sing for me sing for me. And anyway, just before we get into the boat and we appear through the candles, Celia said to me, whilst the Phantom of the, A- the Opera track is playing in the background, she says to me, um, how do you remember your words to Music of the Night? Oh
2: no, and I thought that's to myself, vital. Don't ask. How,
0: how do I remember my words to Music yeah, of the yeah. Night? I've never even thought about that. just don't think about it. And, then, and then, So then <laughs> oh no. I'm, you know, I'm driving the boat, punting the boat down the middle of the stage, miming along to the Phantom of the Opera track, thinking, what, am I, what are my lyrics for Music of the Night? What are my lyrics? No. And then eventually we get, I, we get out of the boat and we start Music of the Night and I look at her and nothing comes into my head. And so I just went... For how long? Uh, the, first, the entire first verse. Oh, Couldn't remember no. anything at all. And she had her back to the audience, and it looked like she was having an electric fit shock you know oh. she was shaking with laughter oh, what was the MD oh, doing was the MD he was mouthing that at me me, back like it was no help whatsoever yeah, the M- I the, M- literally M- the MD it. was leaving at this point <laughs> and then in the same that's show scary isn't it she oh, then said awful. to me how do you remember your words to pass the point oh, of no oh, return and I'm like how, how a do a I remember strat? my words to pass the point of no return oh, so then, and the annoying thing was is that you're covered your f- entire face is covered <laughs> in this black cloth and I couldn't remember the words and I still went and Nobody could see my face. So I could have just been quiet. Yeah, oh, that's, that's no. when you were on tape. And um, the show still got a standing ovation. Oh. There we are. So, power <laughs> of the music. There we are.
2: Okay, um Okay. <laughs> <laughs> who do you admire the most?
0: Uh, well, in in show business, yeah.
3: in this room, no. <laughs>
0: uh, in this room, uh, I admire you all equally. Um, <laughs> I admire an your bravery for wearing that shirt. Yeah. 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 That, I am Scottish, so
3: yeah. Oh, are you? Yeah, no. Oh, yeah, what, yeah. What, what,
0: what clan are you then? <laughs> this this
3: isn't an actual family clan. Are you okay? Talk about my that, yeah, so you're not a
0: McDonald's, are you? He's, no, no, he's no, no, no water not a pounder. He's <laughs> clan... <laughs> I am... Um, he's clan top, clan top man. Clan top man. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay. Mac top okay. man. Uh, in, in show business, probably Tom Jones. Uh, well, there we why? are. For why? obvious reasons. Well, he's Welsh and he's taken over the world.
2: Okay, good. And he also has got the greatest voice of anyone, I think, alive. It's not unusual. Okay. It's not unusual, yeah. Oh, um, role, you would most like to play?
0: Sweeney, um, George and Sunday the Park with George, oh. yeah, The Baker and Into
3: the Woods. I think Carrie Ellis um, is your Mrs Lovett, by the way, just putting it out there. Oh, really? Yeah, that'd be a great combo.
2: Be good fun. Would you, but, but would, oh, really, he doesn't oh, think so. <laughs> <laughs> no, no,
3: look, no, no, really, I'm just thinking a bit glam. You'd have to, would you be willing oh, to no, glam down? She saw so his yeah. Nancy and Oliver,
0: she can... Oh, no, I never I never saw her, I'm, I'm too young. Yeah. <laughs> okay,
2: um, <laughs> box set or night out with friends? So, um, night in or night out?
0: Uh, I'd have a night in with friends watching a box. Set <laughs> <laughs> red, red, uh, red or white? Red, yeah, red. Oh, well, p- pizza or salad? Oh, pizza. Good God, yeah, what a, yeah. what a ridiculous Oh, I like this one. Does anybody say salad? Yeah, no. they
3: do. Well, yeah. They, do. Well, they
0: do. Well, why don't they go to Pizza Express and have a Ligera pizza? Well, well, you, have you have a salad inside this. the pizza. <laughs> That's
3: well, what Ben, ben said. Yeah. a man who knows Sunday roast because of ex butch or butch in the family. Tell me what you would carve up on a Sunday. Well, you know, my son's
0: a pescatarian, so we tend to. Just have a very small roast beef joint. Uh, my daughter won't eat lamb or duck, um, but lamb would be my preference. Mm. But yeah, it's usually a little chicken. roast beef. Yeah. <laughs> it's usually chicken. usually chicken. Just top everyone. side. Nothing, nothing particularly mm. flash. Lovely though. Yeah.
2: Nice. Okay, best gift from a fan? You must have some oh, great Oh, wow.
0: Uh, uh, an iPad. <gasps> um, no. Um, what? Some <laughs> designer clothing. Wow. Yeah. So this, Kerry gets very really jealous at this. Point.
2: I know. Because <laughs> yeah. well, came in and said a Mulberry purse. I was like a Purse? Yeah, I, I, I got. I got purse. Oh, yeah. for goodness' yeah. sake! I'm not playing the right roles. I need to play the Phantom. That's yeah, you is. do. Yeah, yeah. I think
1: it was more a wallet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, I'll
2: put out purse. Yeah. Um, <laughs> handbag for Mick. Best um, co-star.
0: Best co-star. Yeah. Um, Kerry Dupre <laughs> is this guy I know in Wales who's uh, not been a co-star, but I was trying to lead you down. I know. Down, I know, was, and I went. You know, <gasps> it's Kerry. Kerry Ellis thank you very uh, much. probably knows that my, co- st- my favourite co star is. <laughs> so, um, uh, favourite co star, so goodness mean. me, it's She's really so me- tough. It was a
2: long time ago, anyway. It's really
0: tough because there's so many incredible people out there, so I can't really answer that because, I mean, know. it's probably better to say least favourite co star, okay. but then I can't say that <laughs> no, no, please so, don't. Yeah. No, please don't. <laughs>
1: well, it's been a great pleasure to have you with us. Yeah. Thank my you very pleasure. much thank for joining you. us this week, John Owen Jones.
0: <laughs>
2: Hello and welcome to a brand new podcast for TV fans by TV fans. Dedicated to everything on the box that's both on and in demand. It's Mr. Saturday Night himself. It's <laughs> Sam O'Leary. Yay! Jeffers, what should we be keeping an eye on?
4: We've got cold feet returning. The trail looks very interesting. It's James Nesbitt and co. It's really worked this comeback for ITV. You want it to be heartwarming.
3: for nice... Saturday Night Show.
2: Ready for your Tuesday morning commute. Series linked with me, Emma Bullymore and Mark Jeffries.
1: It's Acting
3: Up with Kerry Ellis and Jamie Crick and Johnny Bunyan and you can subscribe. You can. All you need to do is uh, look up your podcast platform where you're hearing us press subscribe and if you'd love to give us a little review we'd love to hear from you it's been great hearing what you think of the show so thanks so much for getting in touch
2: and it's free so what more could you want
3: yeah Hello at actinguppod.com, by the way. It's the way to
1: get in touch. And we love to hear your comments on the show and any gossip we've got. And also, tell us about the uh, latest show you've been to see and your loves and dislikes of Mm -hmm. some theatre shows. We're always uh, in for the gossip on that. Let's look at some of the news that's been going on Mm. this week. Now, um, Colour Purple, back in the news again. This has been rumbling on. And you sort of, for for the team at The Curve and the Birmingham Hippodrome, they must be really cross about this Mm. because the show is i agree with you johnny one of the nicest most beautiful musicals you could go and see and it's been completely wiped out by this Argument that's going on.
3: It has, and I think it is a bad, horrible situation. You've got to put your heart out for the cast as well, who all the other cast that have been involved in this production, because of course there'll be a sort of sour taste in the rehearsal room because of this. The update, as we know, the theatre have made a decision, and the producers have made a decision that they, and the statement is following careful reflection, it's been decided that Sari will no longer be involved in production. The decision was supported by the authors and the theatrical rights worldwide. So, ultimately, we still haven't had an official word from her.
1: Yeah, this was Sayyamuba who was going to play Seely in the show. There is a scene where Seely has a sort of same-sex relationship mm. and so on, and she, apparently on her Facebook posts years ago, said that being gay was not right. So, mm. so this has caused the row, which you know, it's taken away from the show.
2: It has, however, you know, news is, is news and news has created this excitement about the show or intrigue and even my husband, you know, he's not in theatre at all, like, so, talked to me about it this morning because it was on kind of the news and I, and I think it's taking the show to a wider audience. So although perhaps it's a slightly negative situation at the moment, it might just draw attention to the show mm. and now they will be going into rehearsals but with, a, with just a, a whole new outlook, I hope, and uh, it will be a positive thing.
1: What about the the thought that actors are being warned to exercise caution when posting on social media? Because this is one of those examples of, you say something in the past, and whether your opinion's changed or not, we don't know by the way, the fact is, things you posted 10 years ago can can be held against you.
2: I think so, but I also think this is quite a good example of being decent, being a decent person. It, you have to put out something that you're going to stand by, mm. even if it is today or yesterday or 10 years ago. You have to be true to it at the time. And yes, I mean, perhaps you could come back 10 years later and say, well, my views have changed or I apologise or whatever. But I do think you have to stand by what you say at that time. And it might make people think about what they're writing and not just... Really, on a quick fire, just go. Oh, this is what I think, and yeah. put it out there. I think you need to think about it, and I think of a young mm-hmm. generation, especially, need to just have that little um, awareness of what well, they're. B- by the
1: way, not just in acting. I mean, yeah, you know, just in really life. Because you know, well, you Go for any job these days in HR. I've looked up what you said absolutely. on Twitter and Facebook it's and so on. Huge.
3: Well, this, this kind of plays into the conversation we had three, three or four weeks ago about the idea that actually social media should not be part of the actors' casting employment casting? Yeah. And actually, so this will play into the fact that I think you were against that co- concept Kay and the the fact that the theatre have said that they do not operate a social media screening process in the casting of actors and I do think there's something to be said for actually do you know what? It's about your ability to play the role and but as you say, you to be careful what you say. It's but tricky. it
2: is the bigger picture you know, you, you will be doing interviews you will be doing press, you will be doing speaking to the papers and and if you're going to say things um, some, on your own social... Someone we'll somewhere will dig it up. Absolutely. And, yeah. You have to be aware of but that. But keep
3: those channels private is the other thing. All, all come off social media altogether. There's some amazing actors out there like David Tennant for instance is not on social media at all, is mm. not interested in it. And so,
2: I mean, we are our brand. We mm. are, we we sell, you know, our, ourselves as, as a character and as, and as an employee, and I think and, you have to be careful. And
1: just to use Richard E. Grant as an example of somebody who uses social media in the most delightful of way. Of course, yeah, and yeah it is. is always a pleasure to read and yeah. positive yeah. and so on. So you know, it can work. Mm. And if you're somebody who's naturally inquisitive and wants to take pictures and wants to post that you're at the, you know, the Oscars as you want and so on, well, of course, that's, that's great stuff to read. Yeah, of course, yeah. so yeah. fascinating. Um, Equity um, have uh, been uh, talking about Virgin Trains. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they've decided that they want to do some voiceovers and offer just the general public a chance to be involved in doing that. And the weird thing about this is that quite often you get those uh, sort of advertorial things where you get members of the public saying, mm. "Well, the reason I bought this fridge was, yeah, like a box you spot. know." But the row is that, of course, equity members would would lose out on this one
3: well I'd love to know what you think Jamie because for those of the listeners that follow Jamie avidly on Twitter he is an absolute concept professional at keeping us up to date with Southwest trains their process <laughs> whether they're on time whether they're not and actually he's very fair it's very balanced because if they are on time he credits them if they're not he doesn't only this yesterday is train, this is a- I
1: said for the second time this year my train was on time <laughs> yeah. and I think that's <laughs> and fair that's enough fair. it is know, exactly so
3: <laughs> this is a train related story we've, we've got here your thoughts Jamie Craig I think
1: it's a difficult one because obviously people who are uh, equity registered want to get paid the fair fee for doing a voiceover but on the other hand, if you're a company like a train company, which is used by members of the public and actors obviously and uh, loads of people if you want to get that genuine response from ordinary people and engage your travellers, it's a nice way of doing it and it's a very difficult one to judge
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean also it's going to be sewn up in in a certain way. There's probably going to be somebody using a voiceover at some point to introduce it, or to so. Of course, yeah. So I think, uh, you know, I don't know. I think it's yeah. kind of a, a, a kind of a nice way to get people involved.
1: So in our house. Every single year, three weeks before Christmas, the tree arrives. Okay? <laughs> now, this is true. And you open the bottle of something sparkling and you put on White Christmas. Uh, yeah. And it lasts exactly <laughs> the length of the beginning of the film to the end of the film to put the tree up Oh, I love that. And so when the tree is up and the lights have gone on and you've got a, your glass of something sparkling. Still got uh, a glass there? Yeah. there, there still a glass there. Uh, you can actually say cheers happy christmas as they do on white christmas wow. I love that. That I is, know, beautiful, is it isn't christmas
2: it? am i missing and something here and it's coming to the <laughs> divine <Dominion. gasps> this year no. oh,
1: i am so excited it's oh. a brilliant production this is this My is goodness.
3: a this this white christmas production that goes out to various different uh, producing houses across the country and it is such a stunning Big, big budget production, yeah. and I absolutely love it because and it's it, it, it Danny is Mac Christmas. Mac. Danny Mac What's, what's not to love. Yeah, exactly. Beautiful. You
2: know, I've never seen it, so I think this year might be the time I yeah. have to go and see oh, it. it.
3: It's, it's just such a—it's re- old school, but it, it design looks amazing, and it does really fill you with Christmas cheer.
2: So it's a limited run. It's like taking yeah. the place of a, of a Panto. It's going in for that season. Yeah. It's literally yeah. going. In, oh, yeah. When it. we
1: finish today, I've got—I've just put my stuff outside the Dominion box office. So, <laughs> like, I'm
0: queuing.
2: Right. Oh, my oh <laughs> I'm lovely. How lovely. to see that. Okay, on other news, West End's first parent and baby performance to take place at Amelia. So basically, parents can take their young babies into a matinee performance. I think shows are starting to open up and do various different performances for people. You know, they have the titled ones where people for deaf people and blind people and uh, various other um, abilities. And I think it's really exciting that we can do this for well, parent and babies. It's Anna great-
1: Lloyd who's a new, new producer, the, the Theatre. I love this quote, it says I have two children under three, so the memory of being pinned to a sofa by a baby for hours <laughs> at a time is still very current to me uh, it can be frustrating and boring but small babies are quite portable even they, though they yeah, don't like it's to the be best it. time actually. so you can take them it with is, you. it yeah. is
2: the best time and, and if they're asleep on, even yeah, better completely yeah mm.
1: and actually if you need a wet wipe or something there's always <laughs> about you know, it's a theater full of people you go has anyone got one of those <laughs> i that think it's
2: good though it is opening up theater to everybody at a certain point i think it's just making it accessible for everyone i think it's good
3: absolutely yeah. uh, just to remind everyone amelia is on at the vaudeville theater <laughs> It's Acting Up
1: with Jamie Crick, Kerry Ellis and Johnny Bunyan. And I want to play the, you know, like the um, Russian Impossible music here, you know, dun, 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 because Johnny has been been out about uh, finding somebody backstage to talk to about
3: what they do. Indeed, this week I did go backstage because the rather delightful John Caswell, who is a company stage manager, I got to catch up with him. We actually met for a little coffee at the Amber Hotel just outside Charing Cross Station. And really interesting man, uh, lots of fabulous shows. He's worked on incredible shows. His highlight was Gypsy at the Savoy. Oh, so I know, what a show. It should have um, been
2: Lame Is with me, though. Oh, there Next you go, time. there you go. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Dear me. Well, e- either way, um, I caught up with him <laughs> and found out a little bit about what his role entails. I began by asking him, what do you do as a company stage manager?
4: The role of stage manager is essentially logistics, uh, it's making sure the production runs as smoothly as possible and the vision of the director is maintained throughout the duration of the run.
3: There's an awful lot of things going on behind the scenes that obviously the audience won't have a clue about. Just give us an insight into what the atmosphere is like on any given show, because there's not just yourself, but there's an awful lot of other crew that have individual roles, isn't there?
4: Yes, there's a lot. You've got a carpentry department, your crew, electrics department, stage-elects, wardrobe, wigs, all running around trying to do something. Obviously, it depends on the scale of the show, how many of those people are. So sometimes an audience would be incredibly surprised at how little goes on and other times they wouldn't believe that it is, is organised chaos and there's as much to what they're seeing on stage the similar sort of thing is happening in the wing and they just are not part of that what
3: is now known as magic, I guess. Indeed, absolutely. I always find a... Because I've worked in theatre for a long time, I always find that the crews, especially, uh, backstage, there, there seems to be almost an even more integral, camaraderie and bond between the individual crews that, that work on a show because, obviously, it is such a tight working space and there's the, everybody's kind of throwing themselves at it. Tell to me about the atmosphere. What is it like on give, give a given show backstage?
4: If you're lucky enough to be the person who sets up the show as a stage manager, if you show that crew the... Respect and show them how much or how important their role is within the production to get something on. And the best example I'd have would be of Gypsy at the Savoy. The crew invest massively in that, and from that, the cast, everyone can see that everyone's working together, and that makes a massive difference to production compared to, I mean, I've not done one, but if you don't take that approach, yeah. that each person or each group of people
3: is fundamentally important to making the production work. Explain just about your, because just before we started talking about this, we also talked a little bit about the fact that you not only do stage management, but you're also company manage. And that's kind of a slightly more pastoral, bigger role. Just explain a bit about what is a company manager overall? A company manager wouldn't, wouldn't be um, responsible for running the rehearsals, may schedule the
4: rehearsals alongside the stage manager, and would hopefully take away some of the administrative side. It'd also be responsible for doing things like payroll, um, the welfare of the company, making sure the company looked after, and sort of environmentally, like their dress rooms are in a good state of affairs, that they can get to where they're going to for rehearsals, things like that, press calls, organising
3: all that, and maybe liaising via the producers with agents. In terms of shows, you've worked on an awful lot of different productions, and you must presumably have a few favourites. If so, why are they favourites? What particular shows have you worked on that you think, that was a great job, what was it about that show that you liked?
4: The example I gave earlier was Gypsy, is seeing a group of people uniformly come together to make something very very special and the is something like gypsy it then went on to win several awards you know for its leading lady and the production itself and you know it takes something special to make that happen and that is completely reliant
3: on all the elements of a production coming together to make something work what about the moments where things don't necessarily go according to plan? Obviously, audience members do tend to spot things here and there. Have you got any kind of um, memories or anecdotes of anything that might have gone a little bit awry over the years in terms of something not quite happening in the department that you were looking after?
4: I think that does happen a lot, especially as shows have got more and more technical. You know, things inherently go wrong, mistakes are made. Because of the r- repetitive nature of our job, it's the same thing happening every day. The level of concentration people have to have on a big automated show is so huge that if someone's a bit tired or you've been rehearsing, a mistake can happen. It's not necessarily the automator. It could be a member of stage management, a cast member. And if you've got all those elements, if something doesn't quite slot into place, you might have something like a show stop. Essentially, a show stop is something when you, hopefully not, but you run out of options, either something becomes intrinsically dangerous or unknown. And in order to deal with the situation, you're much better off just stopping the show, assessing what's going on, and then all being well, continuing.
3: I just explain in terms of the authorisation of that, who, who authorises the show start? Who's, who's basically responsible for stopping the
4: show? That can vary from production to production. Uh, without saying mentioning the names of productions, I've worked on shows where it was completely my responsibility as the stage manager, because you're at the coal face, seeing the moment, so you just stop it. Other examples, if you've got more time it might be down to, say, the company manager who, generally on a production, will have more experience to draw on and will come down, look at the situation and think, yes, you've got to stop for the sake of the
3: production. Finally, in terms of the lifestyle, um, I always think that, obviously, when we're sitting there as an audience member drinking our gin and tonics and watching the show, obviously, everybody's working full-on hard backstage for eight shows a week obviously it's a lifestyle you've chosen but tell to me about perhaps the down, what are the downsides to the fact that actually you're spending most of your evenings at work does that does that bother you is that something that's struggled over the years Or um, I think it ebbs and flows I mean you know I have a young daughter who sometimes
4: you know I wish I could spend more time with an evening but she's grown up in that environment my wife works in theatre as well so she's used to the environment so it's something we just invest in yeah. obviously it doesn't work all the time kind of look, you, know, you have to sometimes take a deep breath and get on with it um, particularly during a technical period which means you're working extremely long hours sometimes 70-80 hours a week but not for very long and then other times you get another production where you're hardly in at all and so yeah. you reap the benefits of that as well okay. you know? so it ebbs and flows and I don't try to focus
3: too much on any one of them they just are what they are and then I guess finally, in terms of the state of what the West End is like at the moment, there seems to be quite a shift to new writing, new, new kind of musicals especially. Do you care particularly what the show is or how, when it comes to choosing what, what your next job is? I've not, not, never really gone after a show particularly um, when I was growing
4: up and coming to theatre or being taken to theatre by my parents new writing was coming in all the time shows the, the maximum a show would run for would be 18 months maybe if it was lucky to get an extension so it's nice to see a high turnaround that then changed as I was coming into the west end where shows started running for 25 years (laughs) both have their elements of good things i think it we're due for a change and it's nice to see stuff come in nobody wants to see his show close or fail but it does mean that with this high turnaround if shows deserve to run they'll run if they don't deserve to maybe people need to go off rethink them remodel them and bring them
3: back (laughs) The lovely John Caswell there, fabulous man all about stage management and I'm sure he's going to crack on and find a new role very soon because he's mm. in between jobs at the moment but he's good luck John, he's Yeah, I know you, you love him to bits as we all do, now I also have been out and about in the West End because it's time for this week's People's Vote I pop down to the Savoy Theatre home of 9 to 5 the musical I've got my glad rags on uh, not quite Dolly Parton but I tried and, uh, I can see
1: you in a shiny dress and <laughs> the big heels, for singing the songs
3: yeah. Yeah, yeah. there you go, uh, let's see what you the uh, Our this audience thought of 9 to 5. It's fantastic. What did you yeah, make of it?
2: Brilliant, absolutely
3: brilliant. And um, any specific moments that stood out for you?
2: No, the whole all sort of this, The, the whole performance?
3: Wonderful. I thoroughly enjoyed it. They were all very, very
1: professional and uh, it was good. Good <laughs> comedy and uh, singing and dancing.
3: Yeah, excellent.
2: Yeah, yeah. I so thought it was really good and enjoyed it and obviously uh, I know the, some of the songs from it. So, yeah. What was you really- enjoyed about it? I enjoyed um, some of the bondage that Brian Connolly had on.
3: <laughs> great.
2: Um, just the whole like uh, Dolly Parton thing, and it's just my era, so I just uh, really en- enjoyed the show. You know, and great. Yeah, they were Thank good. You. Yeah, all Thanks. the solos and everything. Excellent. Yeah, good.
3: Really good. Um, I thought it was really good. It was much better than I expected. I'm a huge Dolly fan, so I had quite high expectations. Um, but it was real feel good, and I feel quite empowered coming out of it as a woman. It was nice to be someone that may be empowered as a woman. Yeah. yeah. Great fun. I mean, very entertaining as well. Really funny. Quite enjoyed it. I'm oh, very good.
4: Yeah, it's lovely. I like the singing and everything. I like Dolly Part and all that. So, yeah, fantastic.
3: Yeah, I like the singing, the acting, all of
1: it. The views of the audience have nine to five and uh, Johnny Bunyan out and about there, really, with your microphone, chatting to people. <laughs> <laughs> Always a pleasure. And you didn't wear the full outfit, the Dolly Parton. No, not this time. I know. thought
3: I'd just keep that for the end of series finale. Yeah, that's
1: <laughs> a good one. Yeah, <laughs> You've gone for the, more of the yee-haw, you know, <laughs> today. <laughs> <Very> <laughs> <fantastic. Yeah.
3: laughs> well, it's like, nice that John, John pointed it out, didn't he, Kerry?
1: Yeah. Yeah. He, he, nice. did. yeah, yeah, he, he did, he did. Well, Kerry, you're, not, well, you're wearing other, you know... i
2: sort a bit of, of colour on today, which is rare for me. I'm usually in my token... You know, standard black uniform with um, but no, a little bit coloured to me today. And the silver trainers as well. Oh, you know, noticed I know, those? I, I see those on social yeah. media. Anyway, if you're listening <laughs> right now,
1: um, that's almost it. What are you up to this week?
2: So I'm, I'm still on tour with Calabro. We finish at the Royal Albert Hall at the end of next month. So um, I'm excited about that. We have got a few little, we're working on a few new extra songs to put in for that show. So that's all busy week for me.
3: This week, I'm actually off to uh, Lucky Voice Karaoke this evening. for oh, you? A, bit of an What's your
2: karaoke song?
3: Do you know what my karaoke song is? Come fly with me, Frank Sinatra. Come fly. I'm actually pretty that. good at that song, I have to say. Yeah. So um, I might take <laughs> a quite, little I like a bit of Frank
1: Sinatra. A bit of Ella Fitzgerald. It's always
3: good. Mm, yeah. Oh, Elton yeah. yeah. oh, John. Nice. Elton yeah. yeah, John's too song. hard. That's too hard. Uh, so yeah, I'm off to that tonight, which will be lovely. <laughs> Let my hair down, have a little bit of a party on a Wednesday. It's nice. Fabulous. Well, it's great to, to have your company this week. If you want to subscribe. Uh, make sure you hit subscribe button on your podcast platform and also make sure you follow us on social media. It is Pod on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter and uh, yeah, lots of exciting uh, content on the way. And hello at
1: ActingUpPod.com. If you want to get in touch, we'd love to hear from you, but from us right now, have a great week. See you next week.
4: Bye-bye. Bye Bye now. Acting Up is a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddyneesmedia.com.